Hey, what is up? I am particularly fired up today for today's episode with Oren Cloth. This is Going Deep with Aaron Watson, and I am a guy who I make this content, I try to be philosophical and think about things and ask the deep questions, but I'm also a sales guy. I was in financial sales, now I'm in software sales. I'm able to talk for a while, I can push the words out. And when I find other people who have that same type of energy, who really resonate on that same level with me, I get fired up, I get excited. And today's guest is one of those people. I don't usually talk like this, I'm not usually this agitated, but it's because I just got off my interview with Oren Cloth. Oren is the author of the book, Pitch Anything, and he's a guy who closes major deals. All sales, whatever level you're at, when you close a deal at your level, it feels like a big deal. But usually, maybe that's a couple hundred, a couple thousand dollars. Oren closes tens of million dollar rounds of funding for different companies when they're trying to raise money. He's the one who goes in the boardroom and sells multimillionaires, billionaires on investing in companies and making those decisions signing on the line that is dotted. We only got him for 20 minutes in today's episode, but we picked his brain about setting your status, uh, how you register status with other people, run an efficient meeting, make an effective pitch, and really talk about how to sell things and pitch things in an effective way. I really think you're going to get a lot out of this. Anyone in sales or interested in entrepreneurship, because if you are interested in entrepreneurship, you are interested in selling things, whether it's you or a product or service you're interested in sales, you need to listen to this episode. So pay close attention to Oren Cloth. So, Oren, thank you so much for coming on my show, man. I'm really excited. Aaron, this is a show I've been waiting to come on. You keep canceling me and moving me around, and I keep coming back like a trained Pavlovian dog just trying to get more Aaron Watson into my show. <laughs> so here I am I, uh, salivating to be on the show. I, I appreciate the diligence on your part for sure. This is what I'm particularly fired up about. A lot of the listeners know that uh, one of the main interests of mine is kind of the world of finance. We've had some pretty cerebral guys like Bob Seawright and Ben Carlson on in the past, but they've really been talking about how to use psychology when you are making investment decisions. And your take on how you use psychology in your profession is is pretty unique and, and something that I've uh, learned from and tried to implement in my own life. So if we could just kind of start off by talking about how you are using psychology to do what you do on a daily basis. Yeah, sure. And I think it's funny. It's sort of like um, I worked out with Frank Mir, the UFC fighter. And by workout, yeah. I mean, I don't mean like, we, you know, he's six foot eight, seven foot 15, whatever, 265 pounds. But anyway, and the next day I worked out with a Navy SEAL, a guy who trains um, sort of combat, right? And they each make fun of each other because the Navy SEAL guy goes, yeah, I mean, you Frank Mir, you put it on gloves, you're getting in the ring, right? And you're uh, you're boxing around, right? It's not real combat. And Frank Mir goes, yeah, the Navy SEAL guys, like the guys they're up against aren't trained. I'm in the octagon with somebody who can kill you because he's trained and he's conditioned and he knows what he's doing. So two different arguments. And the same thing sort of in the psychology of finance. Like those guys, Ben and those guys, like they sit at their computer and they get to think, you know, they're inside their own mind. I don't have that luxury. I'm in the octagon 
with the real decision makers, right? I go into a conference room and I ask somebody for $20 million and then they're going to respond sort of in unpredictable ways. And they're trained fighters. They know what they're doing. I don't get to just do this in my own mind on the computer. There's another real human being with their own psychology, their own methods, their own desires. And we have to figure each other out. And I'm going to try and get $20 million from that guy. And so this is these are real situations. You're not sitting in front of a computer too deep inside your own head. So that's the way I think about psychology in these situations. So, you know, as I've been in dozens of these situations, what emerges is when you sit in a room and you ask somebody for whatever it is, $500,000, a million dollars, $10 million, you start to see patterns emerge in how they respond, right? And I can tell you these are all, you ask somebody for $20 million, you will find yourself in a stressful situation. And what you always see happen is, People want what they can't have. People chase that which moves away from them. And people only value that which they pay for. And if you do anything that contradicts that part of human psychology, that piece of the human DNA, what's encoded in us, you will have problems getting that money, 20 million, 10 million, 5 million, 500,000, 10,000, whatever it is. It's all in the you know human psychology. The reaction will be the same, right? If you are needy, if you seem like you're begging for the money, and there's lots of ways to seem like you're begging without actually begging. Uh, if you act in contradictory to these basic rules that I've discovered, you know, you have a set of problems. So anyway, that's how I think about this stuff. Absolutely. And, and all this, we'll, we'll plug it again at the end, but is laid out in your book, Pitch Anything. Uh, and, and the real theme and the real thing that you break down in the book is that people are too often trying to appeal to the neocortex, to the part of the brain that is really dependent on rational decisions and reason and logic and not paying attention to the other layers of the brain that are making these other calculations. Why do you feel like so many people are making this mistake? Why do you see it so often? Yeah, I don't think people understand really the role of status in the human decision-making process. So if somebody perceives you to be low status, you they don't, their mind, not them, not the person, they can like you, but the actual physiology of the mind doesn't allow you chemical, physical access to the neocortex, right? So if you watch Game of Thrones, you know, one of the key uh, thematics in that is status. And if you have a lower status or even slightly lower status or a low status than the person you're pitching or they perceive that to be the case, you know, you have temporary status, then they don't, their, their mind doesn't allow you access to the upper reaches. It doesn't want to ex exert the energy to hear the thoughts, the ideas, the motivations of a low status person. That's the way our, your ancestors were able to survive by keeping track of people. Who's low status and can't affect me? Who's high status and can affect resources that make my life easier or harder? Low, if you're perceived to be low status, the neocortex or the linguistic problem solving capable part of the human mind that you wanna talk to in the buyer just isn't open to you. They can't possibly make a decision if you come from low status. And there's so many things that you know that signify neediness, low status, and the um, restructure the pecking order to put you at the bottom of it and the buyer at the top of it. So you got to think about those things. So let's get into some practical application. What you can do to 
help overcome that and put yourself in a position of status in the minds of the other people in the room. So in some cases, people are in one-on-one interactions, but you're talking about going to a boardroom, sitting in front of multiple people and commanding the room. What are some of the principles that dictate your actions? Sure. I mean, it's one easy one is when you come in and you thank the other person for taking a meeting with you, right? That sets the framing completely backwards for everything you're about to work, right? So if I say, thank you so much for taking this meeting, we're excited to present to you, you know, our software and our services and our products. And uh, we worked really hard on this uh, to customize it to you. And we think you're going to fall in love uh, with what we have, right? That puts you in the supplicant position and it announces to the buyer that he's in control, right? And that you've worked very hard without any surety of a reward to to please him. And he feels the strength of the power that you've just given him, right? And that's backwards. You, right, if you think about it, uh, let's say just in the case of selling, I don't know, uh, accounting software integration, right? You come to a ball bearing firm, you're doing whatever, $20 million, you're going to sell them account. You're there because you perceived a problem that their accounting systems aren't integrated, they aren't up in the cloud, um, they don't use elastic computing, and they're not predicting audits, and they have a risk. So you've done that assessment, you've built the software, you work for the software, you know more about this than anybody else, you've invested time in it, and they need it. If you leave, and they don't get the value you have, right, they're going to suffer, you know, or potentially get an audit. So you actually have control. You actually have the strength. You actually have what's needed, right? There's a million companies out there with $20 million, $30 million, $10 million in revenue, right? Yeah, they're hard to get meetings and everything. But if you leave that meeting, they're the ones that's going to suffer. You'll be fine. You just go, you know, maybe, you know, you have one less sale. Uh, maybe you find it, you spend your time with a customer who buys more. Who knows? But they're the ones going to suffer. So we want to change it around to say, instead of thank you, uh, it's very easy to say, I'm glad I can make the time to come here and try and help you guys out. That's a quick switch that signals that uh, you are at least peers or you may be the you know higher status person in the sale. Now, Oren, you're coming from a place of being in these deals where you're talking about handling tens of millions of dollars. You're working with people who are very high status. You are going to billionaires trying to raise this money. For some of the people out there, they may not quite be at that level. They may be in the situation where they're trying to sell the local barber or the local mechanic, uh, someone who doesn't quite hold that same status. Would you say that these principles still apply and that you still need to frame yourself in the same way? Yeah, it's 10 times harder for me to deal with the fucking snotty-nosed, difficult billionaire, hundred millionaire, right? They're so socially proof. They're so full of themselves. They need nothing. They have all the resources in the world. Cracking that walnut open, you know, and getting under the skin of those guys and controlling them is a hundred times harder than controlling, you know, the buyer of a copier, the buyer of, you know, some of the things that you mentioned. So that's where these skills are born in these high stakes situations that are so difficult. So if you're not dealing with billionaires, you're not dealing with 100 millionaires, you're not looking for $10 million, thank God it's so much easier. Give me an example and we'll work it through. But yeah, the principles are exactly the same. Remember, people want what they can't have. They chase that which moves away from them and they only value that which they pay for. So the trick is you know, when you're trying to sell somebody something, how do you take it away at the same time? 
And the subject of that is pitch anything. So let's let's run through an example here. Let's say there's a fitness entrepreneur out there who is talking to someone, trying to pitch them on becoming their trainer, their strength coach. And this person, you know, maybe hasn't taken the bait or like they've maybe subtly suggested it before, but never really come in with the hard sell before. So, I mean, in that pitch situation, you know, what, what has to be formed is, listen, a lot of people look at me, the trainer, and say, yeah, you're young, you're fit, and it comes to you naturally, right? But what you see here and this ability, I work for this harder than probably any trainer you know, out there. And here's what we know today, right? Nutrition, exercise, and um, you know, dedication to fitness gets one in shape, right? But probably in your case, you've tried those things and it's been frustrating. There are new things in today's world that really affect conditioning that were invisible to trainers five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, right? And so what are some of those things? Uh, these are the subjects of the new science and the new thinking in every sports team, every uh, football team, every hockey team, every college, successful college team now understands there are elements in addition to fitness, you know, an exercise that make an athlete, make somebody perform. And those are some of the things we're going to learn, right? So what we did here is sort of develop some intrigue and idea that makes them curious and intrigued about what we have. And now that's going to make them lean in and wonder what's new and exciting here. So that's probably a good starting point rather than saying, hey, I can get you in shape. And that was right off the cuff. Very impressive. You're clearly been doing this a while here, Oren. Uh, I'm curious to kind of take it back to what you're doing on a weekly basis. Well, uh, I can tell you why it's off because I'll tell you what I want to be doing after watching these uh, Conor McGregor um, press conferences, right? I want to invent yeah. a sport called press conference where you don't <laughs> fucking fight, you know, or do anything athletic. I mean, I work out at Seal Fit and this kind of thing, right? But uh, that's too hard. But I, I want to just do the press conferences, right, where I can talk shit and knock people down and lower their status and be fast on my feet and insult people, you know, get them upset, get them off their game. They want a new sport called press conference. That's what I'd be good at. So anyway, yeah, you know, you got to be fast on your feet when you got Aaron Watson throwing questions at you like out of a bazooka, like, you know, like shirts coming at you at a, a hockey game. Yeah. Follow, follow that up. If we were in, if we were professional press conferencers, what strategy would you employ? You know, they always do the thing where they line up face to face for the picture. And that's like the number one time where they're staring at each other's eyes and they're doing all the probably, uh, it, it's, it's all body language there, but any, any, what would you do in that situation when you, they're taking the pictures nose to nose? Yeah. You got to pull an eight mile, right? So, cause you know what the guy's going to say. He's like, I'm the greatest. I'll knock you down. Your mama should never give birth to you. You, you know, uh, you can't hang with the big dog. I knock you out two times. You get in that ring, you ain't gonna last thirty seconds. I'll blow you down. Huff, puff, the big bear blow you in. Your house ain't gonna stand up, right? You gotta take all that stuff away, and and so they don't have you know just like you did in Eight Mile. You what you have to do is reframe everything they're gonna say as irrelevant. So that's the skill you know getting into those kind. Con- <laughs> press conference battles right uh so you know and, and it's a reframing and this is good because we're in a political cycle now 
right? So you you hear it reframing and listen to the news. You know, what's the narrative? How is Hillary going to reframe the what the current Republican narrative is and everything? These guys think exactly in the same way. How can you reframe and cut the legs out? From I saw a great article, you know, how people think about gun control, right? The Democrats uh, frame these attacks as gun control. Republicans frame them as terrorism. These are two totally different frames and the one party is always trying to take the legs out from the other so they can't make the argument but that's what the art of selling raising money or you know as you and i are talking uh press conference you know the sports <laughs> press conference or political narratives are taking away the basis from which the other people are making their argument so they don't have anything to stand on is there anyone out there that you ever like recognize or really appreciate their skill at reframing you've ever seen them uh whether it's a politician or someone you'd be like damn that guy really gets it or a girl yeah i think uh you know for the young guys a lot of these guys who are really good at pickup you know these pua guys have excellent you know because they're out in social environments just like we started right they're not at their computer running numbers and they have so many reps and they're out there you know some of these guys are really good at social reframes i mean it's a little bit of a cheesy well it's very cheesy and you know cheesification but uh i think uh you know i'll tell you who else is very good as john oliver on hbo oh yeah right so he's probably the master of explaining complex things with the reframe so those are two completely opposite ends of the spectrum and and i think if you whoever's writing speeches for obama he's very good look at some of these recent obama speeches they're extremely well written and their framing uh, skills are evident. You tear down some of those. Those are those are three places you can look. Absolutely. Uh, that's a that's a great note. I want to start wrapping up here, but I have one last question. You talked about the reps and someone like those pickup artists just having so many reps or John Oliver, he's been doing the comedy thing for a long time. You've been doing it for a while. Is there any any replacement for those reps? Is there anything that if, if someone's out there just trying to maybe start their very first business and they don't have the reps under their belt, outside of the of your book, Pitch Anything, is there anything they can do or is it really just getting out there and taking swings? You gotta get reps. I mean, I, so I'm breaking through into some larger audience speaking, 6,000, 7,000, 10,000 people. It's very demanding and I need, there's no replacement for reps. Being on a stage in front of 10,000 people, you need to be doing that, right? So you got to get yourself in situations uh, where you are are getting reps. So, but one thing that can I think augment that is just some role playing and be faster on your feet. But I would recommend for somebody entering this world of sales and not wanting to be cliche, not wanting to say thank you, not having low status and going into experienced buyers. So a, a couple things. Obviously, read pitch anything. I would strongly recommend somebody join a local improv class. That stuff keeps you on your toes, fast on your feet, but it gives you frameworks. And that's what pitch anything is, right? Is it gives you a framework in which to deal with these social selling situations, right? And you can adapt from within a, within the framework. So improv I recommend. Uh, I recommend role playing just with your buddies and then getting lots of reps. Once again, the book is Pitch Anything, an Innovative Method for Presenting, Persuading, and Winning the Deal by Oren Cloth. It'll be linked to in the show notes uh, if you want to follow up and learn more about the book. If people want to connect with you, Oren, in the digital world, where are the digital coordinates that we can direct them to? Well, I'll give you something. So we developed a product, but we're not selling it yet. And I'll give it to you, the back link or the around the back door link to it. So if you go to okay. pitchanything.com, 
slash V6. Doesn't have a price on it. It's free. It's for Aaron and crew. And that is a six module how to build a short pitch using the stuff we talked about here, how to get rid of neediness, how to raise your status, how to open up with a big idea, how to reframe the objections that are in the mind of the buyer and how as a young person, maybe coming up against older, more experienced buyers, how to deal with them and make sure that they understand you're a peer or you might be even be their superior in the one thing you know that you know about, which is your product. So pitchanything.com slash V as in Victor six. I think I run you through that process as well as it can be explained. Uh, we really try to achieve clarity there. So I, w- I would send people to that link. Fantastic. As always, that'll be linked to in the show notes, goingdeepwithaaron.com slash podcast. Uh, Oren, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your time with me today. I really appreciate it. I want to give you the mic one last time, though, so that you can issue a personal challenge to the audience. Hey, yeah, a per- here's a challenge. Find a better interviewer than Aaron Watson, because I'm not sure they're out there unless they're on 60 Minutes. This, You're a good interviewer, Aaron, I, I think. You know, I get scared of these podcasts and these interviews sometimes because people come in and say, why did you write the book? Can you tell us a little bit about Pitch Anything? What, uh, what's the hardest thing you've ever done in your career? You know, and these are like such softball layup, cliche questions. But uh, Aaron's a good interviewer. So uh, let me see. The challenge, throw the question at me again. We're looking for an actionable challenge that the audience can take yeah. in the next week or month that will help them in some way with personal or professional development. So I don't know if you ever heard of the thing where you go into like a bagel store and you try to get 20% off on your bagel or your coffee just through pure schmoozing and charm. Yeah, things here's, like that. here's a challenge. Go in a bagel store, steal 12 bagels without getting caught or arrested. <laughs> no, uh, here's, here's, here's a real challenge. In the next few meetings... At the beginning of the meeting, when you sit down, don't talk about the weather or sports or politics because that wastes time trying to seek rapport. And don't thank them for allowing you to drive across town or fly halfway across the country to come to the meeting. Just say, it's good to be here. We're both busy. I'm glad that we were able to find time in each other's schedules. I know we've only got about an hour Why don't we kick this thing off? Does anybody need fluids in or out? If not, let's roll. That's how you open up your next meeting, and that's my challenge to you. I love it, particularly the fluids in or out portion. I I challenge everyone out there to take it and to ask that the next time you're in a meeting. We just went deep with Oren Cloth of Pitch Anything. Hope everyone out there has a fantastic day. Hey everyone, hope you enjoyed that episode and learned a lot from Oren. Once again, his book is Pitch Anything, linked in the show notes. Hope you enjoyed today's episode and I hope that you'll hit subscribe if you've not already done so. You need to hit subscribe so you can stay in tune for all the forthcoming episodes. We just had the mayor of Pittsburgh, Bill Peduto, on. We've got a ton of other exciting entrepreneurs coming down the pipe. This is a show for people who are not interested in the beaten path. This is a show for people who are interested in exploring paths that were not outlined to them by your high school guidance counselor or the career resource center at your university. These are the people who are making it happen for themselves and want to show you how you can do it too. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you'll be here next time.